Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, Brentford 3, Liverpool 3, a throwback game to, I don't know what era you want to discuss, Rodgers, early Klopp, uh, who knows, maybe even like 87, 88 Liverpool. And um, to get through what are a variety of different talking points and, you know, Positives and frustration, probably in equal measure. I've got Andy Bell in Liverpool. Andy, are you good? Yes, I'm good, thank you. How are you, Dave? Yes, absolutely delighted. Um, for me, like I'm a Liverpool fan, but I just really like football, and it was just a belter game. Um, so, like, I came away a bit annoyed, a bit frustrated, but with kind of this weird little, weird little smile on my face, like, and that was just loads of fun. Um, so yeah, I was happy enough. Chief, I've got in relocated to Largy Donegal, the free state. That's it, the wild, wild west. Isn't it just? The wildest of wests. It's beautiful. The wild so Atlantic way, yes. in actual fact. Absolutely, I can see it out, out this window now, if it weren't so dark. But yeah, so here I am. Good, well, it's, yes, it's good to have you back from your, your lengthy commute. So, listen, let's get kicked off. I think the team was pretty much what everybody expected. Um, the result probably wasn't what everybody expected. And it was a strange sort of game, Chief. I, I think you mentioned before it was a bit of a throwback. Um, and it was a funny one. The tone was kind of set early on. There's the Salah one that's cleared off the line. Then Maddox clears off the line when he looks like he's run around the ball and left it too late, but he does still get there. <laughs> and, you, and you think to yourself, okay, so this is either going to be the point where everybody settles down and just goes, right, things are getting a little bit too wild, things are getting a little bit too mad, or else they're not, and this is going to be absolutely nuts. And it just ended up being absolutely nuts, didn't it? Totally, totally. It was um, it was a bit of a throwback game. It was it sort of reminds me of Klopp's maybe first or second, first season in the Premier League, maybe maybe beginning of the second. Um, maybe that. Do you remember that two? Was it the two-two against West Brom where we go up and 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 salute the crowd? Is this the the Origi the Origi yeah. last minute one? Yeah, yeah, there was that, and I was saying to you before, I get I get kind of vibes that. Vibes of that four-three away to Bournemouth, that Carrius game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, in a way. Uh, although that was, I don't know. Brentford have, have got more about them for me than the Bournemouth ever had. The, yeah, two very different sides, I think. Yeah. And certainly yeah. the way they approached the game, but ultimately it still had that mad kind of, you know, kamikaze even, even feeling from both the sides. Norwich. Even the 5-4 against Norwich, the, the, the Adam Lallana in the 96th, mm. whatever it was. Like, but that kind of game, because we didn't we didn't take a step back when we could have. We didn't we didn't try and solidify. We didn't try and have what we held at 3-2. We, we didn't really even try to control the game that much from there on. Certainly not kill the game. You know... Um, I felt even at 3-3, we'd win 4-3. I felt we had enough time left, although I was pretty disappointed at, at how we played, kind of last last 5-10, to 10, if I'm honest. Um, but even then, you've got that Firmino chance later on, which he makes a good connection with, and on another day it goes in. I think the defender makes a, a ridiculous sort of sliding interception. For one of a better description, it's a classic sort of ding dong battle, and you know I think we should go ahead is is the main point, and we don't we don't take our chances early on, and we find ourselves then a go behind, and once that happens, <clears throat> their crowd is up. You know it's a small stadium, it's the first time they're ever ever in the Premier League, and they're already punching above their weight, a by being there, and and b by having started so well. It's a free one for them. And it's a perfect time for them, and it's on TV, and you know they don't need any encouragement. Put it like that, and we allow ourselves to to go go down. And from there, even though we get ahead twice, 
it's always too close for comfort and they're always within within you know within touching distance and I don't know if you could say necessarily I don't know how you know you balance these things out and say things like teams deserve this or deserve that I would say Liverpool as a Liverpool fan I would say Liverpool quote unquote deserved to win that from the chance that they created and the way they played and the way they controlled the game at times but I'm sure if you're a Brentford fan you maybe think you deserve to win 4-3 or you certainly felt you you deserved that point so maybe it's one of them you you just you just you've never played them before it, it's it's not a good time to play them necessarily and other teams will go there and and, and struggle this this season so maybe you just take your point and get out yeah Andy it's it's a really strange one for me for me I feel like Liverpool had the better chances the Jota one with the save that's twice in that's twice in two games I think where he's like literally missed one from underneath the bar um, yeah he's a Chelsea one as well where it gets um, the one oh, the right handball, before the penalty it, just before it yeah he just kicks it at the defender from two yards out yeah shock yeah you know so th- there's that one there, I think the big one um, that that we'll probably come back and talk on is the is the Salah chance to, to make it to make it four two and that kind of ends the game um, and obviously you know the three goals they're you know apart from Jones you know, there are chances that you would expect those players to finish but actually if you if you look at the numbers xG wise they out xG us they win the xG match three point around three point one to around two point six you know depending on who you're looking at but that's around kind of the average between between the different uh, statisticians so it's frustrating for me because Chiefs right they were always within touching distance and when they're creating chances of that quality then they're always going to be in with a chance but we never took the opportunity to go two goals in the lead and I think you know that for me is the frustrating thing at no point did we ever put the game to bed and they just kept going. And to be fair to them, I think, you know, unreflected in the game, they got what they would deserve from the game and probably so did we. Yeah, it was funny when I was watching the game at the pub on Saturday night there and we had the commentary on, but obviously the Salah one kind of hits the roof of the net behind and it just looks really strange and it looks as if it's gone in and half the bar celebrated it. Half the bar sort of clocked on that it hadn't gone in. But when they showed a replay... Uh, which showed Salah marginally onside. The, the sort of uh, young Cockney fella beside me, he was doing with his girlfriend, gets up off his seat, starts screaming, he's fucking onside, he's fucking onside. I had to sort of turn around and tell him, yeah, mate, you, you know the, the ball didn't go in the net. <laughs> it took him 10 seconds before he clocked that we hadn't actually scored. He thought it oh, we've all done that. Um, but yeah, it was... It was a crazy game, as you say. I'm actually not surprised that they out-XG'd us and out-analytic us because they are analytics FC. They're a team who, yes, they'll, they'll have fundamental principles and they'll stick to certain things about their game right the way through because you have to have an element of that. Um, and, you know, Tony and Wemo or Mbumo will, will more or less play the same way against whichever back line they come up against this season. You know, you can play with Tony's strengths quite easily in this league. Uh, I think they're both really, really good, by the way, which we can maybe come on to talk about a bit later. But uh, in general, they're yeah, they'll look at the analytics, they'll see where they can get the overloads, they'll they'll see how they can play, and it's a bit mad because some weeks they'll play like uh, I don't know um, who's a really exciting team that's come up recently, even Norwich with Leeds last night, Well, like yeah, like Leeds, but um, Leeds are Leeds are a bit of a strange one um, for the point I'm trying to make, but the, because the other comparison was. Um, so you know, sometimes you're just going to play like Burnley if that's what yeah. the, the videos show, if that's what they show um, the best course of action to be. And I actually don't think Leeds and Burnley are a million miles away from each other, but that's another that's another story. But yeah, Liverpool just don't play particularly well, I don't think. Um, Jota has another relatively poor game. I think he's had a few now, and I think you know, for me, who's coming back into training... At the well, he's he's back now. He came on the weekend, didn't he? That that's that's come at the right time for us. I'd like to see Firmino get a few games now and Jota be taken out. Um, because I feel like 
it, it's it's a really weird one in the sense that we signed him and his numbers weren't particularly amazing. I think he's like eight goals, five assists in the Premier League the year we signed him. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Andy. He's, he's, for us, he seems to be the opposite of what he was at yeah, Wolves. Completely. He is all numbers and what doesn't appear to be a great deal else. Massively. He just looks like a penalty box striker for us and has done in, um, in the last... 12 months or so and don't get me wrong he's, he's some penalty box striker he's absolutely lethal you see it with his goal um, and he just has that knack of being in the right place at the right time but that certainly wasn't the striker that we seemed to sign and you wouldn't think that after so many years of success with Firmino it would be the type of striker that Klopp would want to mould him into either but so. isn't that exactly what, what just to cut across a second isn't that exactly what a lot of us were, were kind of crying out for that kind of that, that, a lot that of people player. did say that that we need a a proper number nine, and exactly. inadvertently, inadvertently, we seem to now have one. But at is the it same inadvertent? Yeah. Though is it is it inadvertent? Because I mean, you, we talk about Brentford being the the analytic uh, analytics maestros, but we are too. Certainly, when it comes to signings and looking for those players who are whose underlying numbers are are. Are belying their their actual output, and we're looking mm-hmm. for players who are suddenly going to explode, and maybe that's what we saw in Jota. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as though he's he's just playing as a penalty box striker either, Chief. Like I think there's an extent to which he is trying to do the Firmino stuff. He's just not doing it particularly well, uh, and that's a bit strange given the, the sort of player that we saw at Wolves. And you know, his pressing was always absolutely amazing at Wolves. I think his pressing is decent, but yeah, it's. Um, he was he was he was talked about by Pep Linders as I think the term he used was a pressing monster. Yeah, yeah, um, and it could just be that he's had a, a couple of of bad months. Um, you know, he's had some good performances, played well the year. He's got a couple of goals, um, and that's the thing. He'll always get you those goals. He'll always get you that um, you know that, that header he gets is just uh, is just really good. I think he's you know what he's he's a fair bit out for a header. Yeah, it's become almost his trademark goal, that sort of header, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's a really good header, and it's a really, really good cross from Henderson as well, actually, because if you're not going to put the whip on it, and you're going to kind of float it like that into a a packed enough area, then it has to be pretty much perfect, and it was. Um, And there were moments of quality for that, like that, throughout the game for Liverpool. You've got the Fabinho pass for Salah's goal, which is absolutely lovely, and then you've obviously got the Jones moment, which is heavily deflected, but it's really well struck anyway, and possibly could have gone in anyway, so... Um, it's interesting. Uh, I was I was doing the post match show on the Anfield rap and and Neil Atkinson had made the point where he goes it, 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 on the face of it, it looks like a strange substitution when he goes four two four and brings Firmino on for Jones even after Jones has, has just put us three uh, two up. Um, but his theory was that you were getting the two in midfield just kind of right on the top of Tony and Mbwemo when they want to bring the ball down and they weren't able to get enough space. And on the face of it, like it, it looked like it was working. Brentford did look dead on their feet towards the end. But I think as, as Chief alluded to at the start, we kept giving them the encouragement. And sometimes that's those factors and things like that override the the physical um, exhaustion that they, they clearly had. And we find a way back in and never really looked like, uh, like getting a, a fourth goal after that. Yeah, Chief, the sub will come on too shortly and I can kind of see what what Klopp's talking about because they were very direct and they went to Tony a lot. And to be fair, I didn't realise he was that good in the air. Um, Van Dijk, I think, is the top five or six players so far this season for aerial duels. Tony's ahead of him. And... He continued to inflict on. He continued to make himself difficult. Um, but the thing that frustrates me about this was, is you had that back post overload that we've talked about. But, you know, we saw this on this team against Arsenal, for example, where, you know, they do lump it to the back post and, and, and they get the nod down and it comes across. And it wasn't that goal that Arsenal conceded wasn't dissimilar to the second goal. That's that's off the bar and, and ends up ends up over the line at the back post and I think the frustrating thing for me is that I thought that we as as a team as a club as a management unit as a coaching unit would have analysed that and done something about it before the game and and then second thing is that 
something that this team has been praised heavily for is sorting things out themselves in the pitch. And that didn't seem to happen at the weekend. And that, for me, is probably the main reason we lost the game. Or didn't lose the game, sorry. But it, it, it did feel like that being in the league <laughs> twice. But you know what I mean? That's the reason we dropped two points when we could have really capitalised on some, some, some other results at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to start at the end there, you can look at the result in, in obviously in different ways. You can look at, I mean, I think that's kind of unique when when you draw a game. You can obviously look at it from from either side. Generally, if you win a game, it's positive, and if you lose a game, it's negative. But we could quite easily have lost, quite conceivably, have lost that game at the weekend, given the circumstances given the momentum of Brentford at the moment, given the crowd, given the mistakes at the back, the shakiness of our performance, we could also quite easily have won won the game because we had probably the better chances, even though expected goals and all that. I mean, so obviously I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not trying to, but I mean... Yeah, I would say half of the, half of the expected goal total comes from the second goal itself. It's that's, a bit weird. That's it. and it's a bit like that. Go. It's a bit like our. It was a bit like our XG. I think was inflated in the Chelsea game because you probably had like an XG of two from all the chances that came the five seconds before the penalty happened. Before the penalty, I mean, and it's it's, it's it works the other way, and that the goal we scored, Salah's second goal, or Salah's goal, the second goal, um, was was absolutely glorious. And because he takes it the way he does, the XG on that is tiny. Whereas if he takes a couple of touches and, and slots it, the XG is, you know, much, yeah. much it would be the same as It would be the same as Jones' goal from, you know, having a pot shot from that distance. Exactly, exactly. Zero expected goals, basically 0.01 or, or whatever it is. Um, so, anyway, not to get caught up on XG, but you can look at the result either way. And, you know... Brentford to beat Arsenal on the first day of the season was an absolute gimme, and I had a good a good sized chunk on it and, and did very nicely at it. Thank you very much. But it was an absolute gimme, not just because Arsenal aren't brilliant, because obviously Arsenal you'd expect them to finish higher than Brentford this season. But it was an absolute gimme because of the circumstances. First game, new newly promoted side, first time ever, good crowd, you know all this analytics bollocks, the hype behind them, you know. Plus, couple that with Arsenal, yada, yada. So, I mean, the, the, the tail could have been set for us as well, you know. Unbeaten, top of the table, first time at, at this at this ground. You know, first really big team for Brentford, live on TV, all the rest. It was set up for us to lose, especially going to goal down. And, you know, it's frustrating that we don't win the game, of course, because, you know, as I mentioned, newly promoted side, you, you want to beat them. And also the, the other results went for us on the day. So, you know, you, you want to capitalise as much as you possibly can. But I don't know. I, I would say when push comes to shove, getting out of there without losing, maintaining position at the top of the league, taking, you know, being one point ahead. Yes, it could have been three, but being actually one point ahead and remaining unbeaten, pushing the run even longer. I mean, it's, it's not that negative. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, we could have capitalised on our chances and, and, and we should have. And that's something that I've been saying again and again. And it's it's been a recurrent theme. Even when we were winning every game, we were not taking enough of our chances and we were making it too difficult for ourselves. Or, yeah, in the end, not too difficult because we won the league, but difficult for ourselves. And we're doing the same at the moment. We need to be a bit more ruthless. But I think it was... It was possibly an indication, dare I say it, that, you know, that obviously while our first choice centre, our first choice back line is back and our first choice centre backs are there, you know, they're, they're maybe not quite at where they, they were um, pre-injury. And I think we did well maybe to get out of there with a draw. Um, obviously it could have been different, but it wasn't. And I'm not saying it, it's just not. Don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think it's 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 that that bad of a result. 
No, we don't want to be hyperbolic about these sorts of things. And it's a funny one when you come up against a team like that where you're not really sure what that sort of result is until maybe another 15 games into the season when we've seen other teams go there and we've seen them play a greater sample size of, of what's around them. Because if you were to take it now, that's you know that's a 3-3 draw away to Villa, if you will. And we wouldn't be coming away from that saying that's a terrible result. So, Andy, Chief touches on players coming back from injury not quite being the same. I don't know about you. I wasn't massively encouraged by Van Dyke's performance at the weekend. I know Trent gets like overloaded at the back post for games. People are talking about Matup maybe dropping five yards, you know, to the right to try and cover off. But then what sort of holds does he leave? We can get into all the tactical nuances maybe later on. But for me, Van Dyke, he loses a couple of a couple of balls maybe 10, 15 yards outside the penalty area. Um, he does make an incredible recovery tackle later on, but for me, he just feels a little bit passive, maybe not quite not quite as like physically dominant and imposing as he has been. Am I misreading that? Um, possibly. I think Ivan Tony is a lot better than a lot of people think, and I think he's going to show that oh, this season. Oh, yeah. Like I say, I think you he's, know, he, he's, he's one of the few players that is ahead of Van Dijk on Aerial Challenges 1 yeah. this season. So, you know, it, he he is a, he is as much of a monster when it comes to being a centre-forward as Van Dijk is a centre-half in that, in that respect. Yeah, and, but also in the sense, I just think in general, I think people know he's a good striker. They know he's going to maybe get 10 or so goals this season. But I, I sort of see it like when Calvert-Lewin first broke through at Everton and he, he scored a few, but wasn't really taken seriously enough until people realised he actually does have something a bit different. Um, you know, he can jump higher than anyone else in this planet and actually can be a handful for just about everybody. And I think Ivan Tony's just going to be in that same conversation come the end of the year. Be shocked if he doesn't have an England cap, um, and I just think that can, that can happen sometimes. Van Dijk has a couple of players across his career. He's, he's very rarely had a bad game since he's been in the Premier League, whether it's been us or Southampton, but he, he has a couple of players he struggles against. He always struggled a little bit against Sané. Um, Sané always had very good games against him. I remember pre-season Sané legging him uh, at one point and a couple of other times. And just some, Sometimes it's a player that... Uh, that, that that certain players struggle against or they get drawn into a bit of, you know, macho nonsense where they feel like they have to win every first ball or um, you know, go and go and battle the way kind of Lovren always used to do, used to love wrestling with them to show he was the big man. And ultimately, you know, sometimes you have to swallow your pride and drop off ten yards and say, I'm not gonna win this, but you know what, I am gonna get myself in position and I'm gonna be able to deal with what happens when the player does win it. And I thought there was no to that from as well. That specifically, there was not enough of that from Van Dijk and Matip on some, on Saturday night. So, yeah, they just looked ragged, didn't they? The two of them, they just looked absolutely ragged, which is the polar opposite to what we've um, seen from them really so far this season and basically any time they've played together ever since the Champions League run to the um, what the, the year we won it in 2019. But Andy, would there be an argument to say that this is? I don't know. We talked about this last week on the weird rotation of centre-halves that we've never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Is this potentially a product of just guys that aren't playing game in, game out, like they're absolutely used to doing? The midfielders are used to being dropped in and out, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. Again, you know, we were all told about how Matip couldn't play three games in a week and then they were rotating center halves and they're not rotating Matip and they're keeping him in and he's playing all sorts of games you wouldn't expect him to play and I guess there is an element to that but also they've, they've played so many games together now and they've been pretty much the first choice partnership this year I'm not sure you know Kanate being thrown in against Crystal Palace or um, Gomez being thrown in against AC Milan overly changes that Really, to be honest, I think you know they they're two players who could do with a rest, especially with Van Dyke. I think that's been shown with Van Dyke. They've given him a week's rest when they can, and 
think that's just something they're going to have to get used to because we all know that Kanate's injury record, I mean, it was, goodness me, it was done to death, wasn't it, over the summer about how he's had a couple of bad injuries in the past. You'll need to manage him. And we all know the same with Gomez. So you don't want to get yourself in a situation where, I mean, you know, I'd rather we had a couple of games where they're 85, 90% instead of 100% rather than, you know, in a situation where in January playing for being in center. Uh, and set her half again on Henderson and Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. So I'm all right with it. But yeah, it was just, put it this way, I think Tony and, and Bumu are going to give many more defences and us serious problems this year. They work really well to two. Um, they terrify the life out of them. And that was the first time we've seen Brentford play a big team as well. The first five or six games they've played, um, sort of teams around them, teams you'd expect them to be fighting relegation with this season, as the cliche goes. But I actually think they'll be like Arsenal. fine. Yeah, well, I actually think they'll be fine. Um, Brentford, that is obviously not Arsenal. I think Brentford will be fine this season, maybe 10 points uh, quite easily. So, yeah, I don't think there's, there's much to overly worry about. I mentioned in the, a podcast I did after the game that it feels very last season in the sense that there were many games. I think we, we go to Fulham in December time and draw, and it keeps us top of the league. But also you're kind of like, well, that was a great opportunity to go four or five points clear. It was a similar one with Newcastle around the same time. And then all of a sudden you hit January and Man City win 12, 13 games in a row. And you haven't uh, capitalised on it when you were able to and when you were ahead in games. And that comes back to bite you. But let's see. You know, we were, we, we're not sure what this league's going to look like this season. There's four or five very, very, very good teams in it for the first time in a while. So as, as I think you and Chief both said at the start, the, the context of this result, the ends will justify the means in terms of how the league shapes up over the next two months. So nothing to panic about, but opportunity missed. Yeah. Yeah, so, Chief, let's move on to the midfield. Um, let's start with Curtis Jones. Um, I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about how people were, everybody talking about how people were really upset that people were giving Curtis Jones grief. And I didn't actually really see Anybody given Curtis Jones grief? Maybe I just don't follow the really negative people or whatever, but, you know, like, I really like him. I really do genuinely think he has got something about him to be a top, top player. Um, he doesn't like confidence. He hits that pot shot. It takes a nick off, off your man's chin and probably lifts it over where the keeper was diving to. And But even still, the confidence to take that shot on, he strikes it really well. And I think he's industrious and um, he affects the game, I suppose. But again, the other side of the coin is the way the game panned out, that was the sort of game where you would expect him to affect the game. And I'm still not quite sure where, as much as I like him, I'm not sure where he fits in in that midfield because he's kind of stuck between... Two stools. I feel like he should be playing on the right-hand side if it's that more attacking, offensive version of the of the eight. But he's played there on the left, and there's an argument to say we maybe lose something there defensively when he's playing. I think the point is that uh, as regards where Curtis... The point playing, is he's not Jimmy Wijnaldum, I suppose, is the real point, isn't it? Well, yeah, nobody is, but except for the man himself. But I think the point is, if you're dropping, if you're playing that midfield, you're you're having to play. Basically, he has to play Jones because there's no there's no Kaida and there's no Thiago. So Jones is the next in line, and he's played Jordan Henderson on, on the left, and that hasn't worked. And he's he's thought right, I lose far too much doing that, so I've got to play Hendo on the right which means Curtis Jones has to play on the left there. Um, and that's just the way the, the, the ball bounces, I suppose. Um, I think Jones does well. Uh, I think he's tidy. I think he, he's... I think he doesn't... The best thing you can say is he doesn't look out of place at all. You don't worry about him there. He does switch off the odd time, going, going back the way. Um, and that's something he potentially has to work on. I think he perhaps suffers because I think he's always wanted to be the Steven Gerrard type. I think growing up, he probably modelled himself, probably the right age to model himself pretty much, ex- and the right position to model himself pretty much exactly on, on what to be like Steven Gerrard. And, and that player doesn't really exist. 
anymore. Certainly not in 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 Liverpool's setup. So he's he's had to modify his game and had his game modified, and it seems to be working because he he's trusted by the manager. Um, and I think he'll probably he'll probably start against against Porto. Um, so yeah, I think he's he, you're right in that he is caught between two stools because he's neither. The, the striker nor the nor the sitting you know he's neither the absolute silky kind of he's a 10 really yeah. isn't he if you well, want to boil it down to old money yeah kind of he's between the 8 and the 10 isn't he you know he, he can do a bit of both uh, he wants to be the 10 but the manager probably wants him to be more the 8 you know and and that's and that's where he is sort of sort of caught and we'll see what happens because when Alden was Basically a ten as well, wasn't he? And plays that way for for the Dutch national side, and played that that way for Newcastle. And your club got hold and said, no, 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 you're it. <laughs> you're playing it. That's it. And he's more between a six and an eight. Yeah, but not for not for not for the other side he plays for. No. So so that's it. It's will he will he try and mould Curtis Jones? And it looks like he is trying to mould Curtis Jones into. Playing that role, not to be a genie light or whatever, but to be Curtis Jones, but but playing that role, and that'll be that'll be up to Klopp whether he decides that Jones can do that well enough, or whether he has to go out into the market and and get somebody else or or play somebody else there who's already currently in the squad. But that's Jones's way in, isn't it? Because he's third in line when when Thiago and um, and Kaida aren't there for that role. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, um, Andy, because, you know, it looks as though, I agree with you, it looks as though he is trying to be moulded to that left-hand side. And there's two things that make me think that. I think, first of all, Harvey, Harvey Elliott gets the job on the right for the first four games, playing that more attacking midfield side. And the other thing is that, I thought it was really interesting that he plays him in the six against Norwich during the week um, in the League Cup or the EFL Cup, whatever they call it now. Um, and that almost seemed like, for him, a training exercise to have a bit more awareness and understanding of taking up defensive positions and seeing seeing what's in front of you from an opposition perspective with them having the ball, where to position yourself how to be in the right place to make the ball and set the tax off. Yeah, I think when he when he comes into the side and he plays like pretty much consistently through the November and December games, he famously starts that one against Spurs at home with a Firmino last minute header where he plays kind of in that genie role and does really well. I think he gets man of the match that day. And then there's a bit of a strange one. There's a tactical shift as it goes to January, February, where he's playing pretty much, he looks like he's playing left wing at times. He does play left wing at Old Trafford and does really well in the FA Cup. But also the left-hand side of the midfield for a while just wasn't the genie role or whoever was playing it wasn't playing like genie as much. And the left-hand side was, you know, the left-hand side of the midfield role was almost joining the front four. And I'm not sure whether that was a, a tactical switch because the results had been poor or whether they thought that was the best way they could use Jones um, I'm not entirely sure, but he, he did well in patches last season, and he obviously gets a goal against Ajax, it qualifies us. He gets a couple more goals as well, and has some good performances. Breaks a deadlock up at Sheffield United, I think, when we're struggling around January, February time. So, tactically, I'm not sure what he is or where he fits in. You know, it's very different to what he's been used to doing for the under-23s, which is basically just being the Gerrard and taking out past six players and blamming it into the top corner. It's not... Uh, it's not a an overly it's not a way of playing overly conducive to being thrown into the Premier League because you're not no he's almost in a bit of a yeah he's a bit he's in a bit of a Trent dilemma here where he's it's almost like him being told the way Trent was this is the position that's going to get you into the first team Trent was told it's right back that's where you're going to get your chance and it's almost like Jones is being told for me that that left hand side of midfield we know you're as they said, press resistant, you're great with the ball at your feet and you can play a killer pass and you can pick the right decision at the right time. The one mm-hmm. aspect in the game that you need to work on is that 
positional awareness side. So do you think that if, if he is the kneeled in the position in this team, it's it's gonna be there or or nowhere? Quite possibly, and I like the way um the way he's filled that GD role with uh, an Abby Keita or a Curtis Jones. Obviously when Tiago's not playing, Tiago's kind of a, a, a one of a kind. He's a, he's a, he's a law upon himself in a way. He plays sometimes with Keita and Jones. I always think the thing with Keita was because of what we saw in the Bundesliga when he came in, where he was slaloming around four or five defenders, picking the killer pass every time. He really was that quintessential number eight. He was going to get you ten to fifteen assists a season. And he came into Liverpool and he felt like he had to do that. And so often he was forcing it, and so often the decision making was poor. Whereas when Keita and Jones playing that left-hand side of midfield role, they they can, they do still get to do it, but it's when the opportunity's there, the onus isn't on them to do it, and that helps with the decision-making sometimes, because if you get through a game um, just basically kind of positionally aware, passing the ball five yards, um, just recycling possession like Genie does, then that's absolutely fine. Whereas if you do that when you're playing on the right-hand side, then everyone's going to say, you know, you didn't do enough, you weren't the link between the defence and the attack. And uh, there's a lot more onus on you, and the ball isn't always there. The killer ball isn't always there. It's, um, you know, it's not FIFA. You can't play a three ball every single time. And I feel like with those two players, that can that, that can be their downfall sometimes. And when they're in that left hand side role, it's like pick your moments. If it's there, do it. But if not, just recycle it, and that's absolutely fine. And it's an it's a it's an easy enough position to learn in a way. I get what you're saying positionally. It's um, you know, in terms of having to cover over the left-hand side and fill in for Robertson. It's very different to playing on the right-hand side because our two full-backs actually play quite differently in general, and especially this season they have, with Trent being more, um, what's the word, internal, narrow. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, more central. Central, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. So, so yeah, I mean, I was encouraged by his performance. I, I think he's... Uh, I, I remember having a chat with you. We were obviously out for the the Chelsea game a few weeks ago, and I, I remember telling you that I, I would I wouldn't be averse to playing playing Jones in that game on the left hand side. I think we both said we neither of us thought he was going to do it, but he is an option for him there. And if Kate is not playing or Thiago is not playing, he is just just somebody you can throw into these games now. And he's shown that he, he's grown so much over the last year or two, maturity wise. And does it, does he captain one of those mad teams that? Klopp doesn't turn up for and none of the first team are playing. <laughs> Does he not captain? He's, he captains that game in the FA Cup, doesn't he, where he scores the winner? Yeah, I think he does. And he captains us there the other night as well, doesn't he? He captains us against Norwich. So he does in the sixth, which is bizarre. Yeah, which, um, you, which you know, at his age is, is a big thing. And it shows he has responsibility. And it shows that Klopp rates him from a maturity perspective. So all that bodes really well. And I think he's got a role to play. Everyone said he'd have a big role to play last season. He did. I think he left just a similar role to last season, which may be frustrating for him. But ultimately, I think it's what benefits us right now. And there's there's loads of time. There's no need for him to be playing 60, 70, starting 60, 70% of games. He can just develop at his own rate, learn that position. If we need to play him a bit further forward, we can do. If we need to do a tactical switch, he's shown himself to be tactically um, versatile. And yeah, and that's that's absolutely fine for me. Yeah, so Keith Jones, I like this performance. I like him. I think we all do. I think we're all happy enough with that. He scores the goal. He makes it three two, and I'm in the pub, and then and then I look up, and he's just having a having a giggle with somebody on the bench, and I was like, is he just is he just taking him off there? And he had just taken him off, and I thought, okay, maybe Milner. That maybe where we're going here, but it was Firmino, and it. This is a weird one for me. I feel like that's a preordained substitution that is readied and decided before the goal goes in. But then when the goal goes in, he just does it anyway. And maybe, maybe it would have been more sensible doing something else. Maybe it would have been more sensible saying, actually, Bobby, we're 3-2 up now. Go and sit down. The other side of the coin is that we've we've a couple of chances after that to kill the game off. And we don't. Maybe it's because we're playing that, the, the four rather than the three. So, I don't know. Where, where are you on this? I'm, I haven't really decided whether whether it's one thing or another right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen Klopp 
I mean, you can correct me, maybe if I'm wrong, which it could be like, but don't think I've ever seen him have a sub ready and then something's happened in the game, we've scored or they've scored, and then he's changed his mind. So yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, there there might be something in that that maybe he had it decided, and then you know, another manager, a David Moyes, for example, would have said, "Hey, go and sit down," and it would have called up a uh, or Mark Noble, Mark Noble yeah. warm up. Fucking hell, what a dick. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, let's not go off on that tangent, but it's never a good idea, is it? Jesus. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, uh, Bobby has a good chance to win the game, as I think I mentioned way at the, right at the start. Um, and he's unlucky that he doesn't. Uh, it's a very good interception or save. Um, it's one of them. I think, yes, hindsight, looking back, would have been better to maybe bring on a Milner. Uh, not just to protect the, the lead or whatever, but also just to give you that foothold in midfield and potentially go on and get the fourth. Having said that, we missed chances to get the fourth, but we're less coherent. Um, certainly last 10, certainly after the 3-3, three, three, than we are normally when we're in that position, needing a goal just to win the game with, with 10 to 15 minutes to go. So I don't know. I don't know. I think we... I think ultimately, I just think we got rattled, and I think maybe Klopp caught up with the emotion of it as well. I think everybody did. Um, I think he wanted to win. I think he wanted to win four three, you know, or or four two or whatever. And he he had that sub plan. Maybe he just wanted to give Bobby twenty minutes, no matter what, you know, or fifteen minutes in in his, in his comeback. Maybe he wanted to do that because he wants to use him against Porto or he, he wants him right against City or whatever it is. Probably the latter, I would imagine. Um, but maybe that means 15 minutes against, you know, 15 to 20 against against Brentford. Maybe 60 minutes against um, against Porto in the week and, and then the full 90 against, against um, City. But he made that move and and ultimately, I don't, I don't know if it's particularly cost us. To be honest, it was a pretty poor third goal to concede. Um, anyway, and yeah, I just, I just think, I just keep coming back to it. It's, it's, we've never played Brentford before. This, this team and the, uh, Liverpool have barely played them. Certainly not in a top flight game. And this club side has never played them, and I think the next time we do, we'll, we'll be ready for them and, and we'll we'll beat them. But uh, yeah, this one went, you know, just ended up going toe to toe, and I'm not convinced that bringing on Milner instead of bringing on Firmino would have guaranteed us a win necessarily, you know. Yeah, again, we sit here with the benefit of hindsight. Which is what the manager doesn't have when he he stands on the touchline and yeah it, it it could go one way or another but like we say if if Salah sticks that chance away it's four two if Firmino sticks a chance away it's it's four two and it's game over. I mean just just sort of on that I don't know personally I don't know why it's not Jota that comes off but yeah again I think the thing is that he makes the change for and this is the other thing. He makes the change to go essentially 4-2-3-1 or 4-2-4 or whatever way you want to look at it. And to me, that's a sub at 2-2, but it's not the sub at 3-2. And I know he said, and he's come out and said afterwards, that, well, the midfield was kind of irrelevant because all they were doing was hitting it long um, to the big lads up top and kind of working off the scraps. I don't necessarily buy 100% into that, but... That's maybe what the manager saw. So again, tactically, I understand it, but uh, you know, on the other hand, it does feel like that it's two each. I'm going to go for broke here, and then it's three two. And do you know what? I'm just not going to change my thought process here. Contribution-wise, for me at that stage, Jones was offering more than Jota. And if you look, obviously, again, hindsight is is crystal clear, but. If you look at what happened post the Jones Firmino substitute, you know, change, we end up going far too direct. 
and we we do bypass the midfield and we we don't really build much. So that was that absolutely did my head in. Um, Chief, we we played for the last ten minutes like it was the last twenty seconds of the game, in the sense that you're like, I'd better just get us in the box here so the referee doesn't blow the whistle before we have the chance to maybe pick no. up a scrap. It was absolutely disgraceful. Up and unders and stuff like it was. It was shocking. There was no link between the midfield and attack whatsoever, and it was like, you know, I'd rather. Well, at that point, you know, at that point, there was no midfield. There were two guys sitting in front of the back four, and then the four guys up top. I know, but it was. I'd rather have. If you're ten minutes to go and it's three three in a game like that, I'd rather take my time and build two good quality structured attacks rather than a 15 instances where we just kind of float the ball in and you never uh, never really know when that works. I never really see that work. It's a desperation thing. It's 20 seconds ago. If, if we fuck about with it here, then the referee might blow up. We're playing like that for Yeah, it's, 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 all, it's all about Stephen Coulter playing centre forward, isn't classic, it? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Classic English football parlance, plan B. Oh, yeah. yeah. They don't have a plan B. Yeah. That is plan B in action. That's why Connection. most fucking yeah. good plan, teams plan don't plan B. Plan B is desperation. That's yeah. what plan B is, you know. Exactly. Kick, kick it up to the big man. Break glass. Um, I, I'll I'll, I will tell you now, just really, really briefly, there, there was one year, my local side, Glenn Tormer, trying to win the league, and I can't tell you the number of games we won at the, in the last minute because what they did was... They just put this big, gigantic centre-half, John Devine, in the penalty area and just kicked it up to him. And he must have scored about 15 goals that season and we ended up winning the league. But that's Irish League football. Do you know what I mean? It can work in Irish League. It can work. And if you get into the little run of it, it can work. But (laughs) the bottom line is, the way way I see it is, see if you have five minutes to go, there'll always be one more chance. And... I always think that, and when I watch a match, it almost always happens. We'll always have one more chance. You just need to make sure you put it away. Well, I back this, you know, not not actually, but, you know, certainly um, in spirit and with words to, to win 4-3. As soon as it went 3-3, I was like, but we'll, we're in that mood. We'll just score another one. We'll find a way. But we didn't actually create that much in the final final few no. minutes. So that was a disappointment. It, it was very much like we just decided, right, this has already been crazy enough. Who knows what can happen here? It's not also, worth the risk. We've been spoilt over the last like two or three years in the sense that every time a game like that does go 3-3, I feel like in every single instance we've got a winner. Yeah, it's funny though, Andy, because I feel like at 3-3, that was the only time we, in the 90 minutes that we decided... We were going to employ some sort of game management. Yeah. You know, do it at three two, do it at two one, but they didn't. They did it at three eight, and that was kind of the frustrating thing for me. But listen, we'll move on. I don't know whether we'll have. We've had some technical difficulties recently, as as we've um, uh, alluded to previously. Um, so don't know whether we can come to after portal, but. We'll skip Porto because we always smash Porto. Always. Um, it's City away on Sunday. Now, it's Andy, at home, isn't it? Sorry, it's City at home. Sorry, I don't even know why I said that because I knew it was at home. I hope so. Anyway, it's got a ticket. So it's, yes, I know, reason for me. <laughs> so it's, and Dave will not edit this out because he's a, well, he's a thing like that. So, yeah, it's City at home. This is, this is a game that has ultimately now had a lot more pressure put on it by the fact of those two results at the weekend. Um, you know, there's a bit of this, potentially, you know, the six-point swing there, whatever it is, six-pointer. Um, we draw, they win. Probably a draw would have suited us absolutely lovely at Stamford Bridge, but Chelsea were toothless and... Um, hardly, if you will. Um, didn't look at any point as though they were going to try and win the game. And all of a sudden, now this game takes on a, a whole new meaning. Yeah, and this is the thing about the three-three draw with Brentford. It's like 
in a season where you might need 95 plus points to win the league, you can only drop points in six or seven games. And it's quite nice to have that buffer of knowing when you play City at home. Well, because we've beaten all the other 13 teams every single time, the bottom 13 teams in the league, then we can, we can just um, we can take our point here if we need to. If the game goes like that, then we can take our point. And at 3-2 Liverpool on Saturday, it, it, it looks very much like this is a game where almost both teams take a nil-nil, especially City having come away from Stamford Bridge with a draw, or sorry, with a win. Um, they would have taken four points from those two games. It guarantees us being top of the league. Um, but now... It's there's a bit more pressure on it, and especially with Chelsea's next five or six fixtures being really, really winnable. They go to Southampton, sorry, they're home to Southampton this weekend. They're at Norwich the week after, and the next five or six, you know, it could easily be 18 points. Uh, it could easily be, and we play Man City at home this weekend, and then go to United for the month out, I think. Um, so they're 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 all of a sudden really high pressure games and. We don't know how they're going to go. Like Pep Guardiola very much does win the tactical battle on Saturday. I was actually quite happy for them to win it because I'm 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 happy just for Chelsea's momentum to be completely stopped. And you know it may have been in 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 the case of a draw and and even though City may well be the still the team to beat this year. Yeah, it was a funny one, Andy, because after after the the draw that they managed to I don't know grind out, it seems like it's not a strong enough term that there was a worry that they were starting to feel like they were invincible yeah definitely how many points are City behind us is it, is it three are they three behind us I think, only, lost I think they're just one they're only one behind us now I think Yeah, they've lost, they lost two no maybe two behind us I'll, hold on let me see so they lost to Spurs and yeah they're one behind us they won, yeah one they're one behind us, us. It felt like we were about six points ahead when they drew, when they drew us at Hampton and we beat Palace, but um, that was clearly in my drunken head that day. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it's just massive. These games over the years have either gone one of two ways. Either it's been a goal fest and we've come out on top and we've... Yeah, I feel like when Pep Guardiola's... Uh, Pep Guardiola has much more of an ego than people think and he came to Anfield and... Um, in a lot of instances, towards the early days of Klopp, thought, I'm not going to be out-footballed by you, I'm not going to be out-entertained by you. And that was when we had those mad 4-3s, the 3-0 win in the Champions League first leg. And then more and more, it's, it's become like one of the, the drabber games sometimes, the, the home game against Liverpool-Man City. Um, the game at Anfield, because Guardiola's known he can come and take the point. There's a famous one in 18-19, where Mares misses a penalty and he plays with Laporte at left back and Laporte does just brilliantly against Salah. And that was indicative of how he's, he's really come downfield in, over the last couple of years, um, notwithstanding the 4-1 win there last season, which um, is just, it's the one game where the crowd influences it so much. As I say, I remember, I know I said it over and over again in these podcasts, but we were doing the pressing and usually it would be Man City who are terrified of being pressed and, and you know, with a 55,000 Anfield crowd behind them, whereas we were the ones that looked terrified because it looked like we were being caught out of position and City were able to just be robotic in the robotic environment that last season was. So, yeah, it's hard to know how this one's going to go. Um, they'll probably take a point. We'll probably take a point as well. I wouldn't be averse to a point. I'd be slightly disappointed uh, and I'd be slightly worried in terms of the wider context of the league, um, especially given that Chelsea have played a hell of a lot of decent teams so far and have got those out of the way. You wouldn't want them to be getting a head start on us with them for their fixtures coming up. But it's still early days. And um, there's a lot of points to be played for in this league. There's going to be that. It's, it's very much a case of, you know, two years ago it was Liverpool and Man City were by far the best teams in the league and everyone else was a bit crap. Who finished third and fourth in those seasons? I have no idea. Um, because they were rubbish and we were going to beat them all the time anyway. Whereas now it seems like the top four are just going to take points off each other and it's going to be incredibly unpredictable. And it makes for a good league, but it also means that uh, we keep coming back to it. You sort of need to win your Brentford ways. Yeah, you do. You do. But listen, Chief, it's... Andy is right. You do need to win your Brentford ways. So that does, as I said before, I asked him the question, it puts more pressure on this game, more pressure than there probably needed to be. Um. Let's just think about 
what sort of side that we expect to see, given there's a lot of unpredictability in in City in City's team right now, or the the you know Guardiola's selection, particularly at the top end of the pitch. We've looked fairly solid this year. Um, yeah, Brentford causes problems, but it's and I think this is the one thing that people might gloss over is that okay, so we drew with Brentford at the weekend 3-3 and maybe we're a little bit susceptible to the back, but they're a massive side and their goals came predominantly aerially and a really clever set piece for the first one. Um, regardless, they shouldn't, it's a funny one, although City are a far superior football team to Brentford, they'll not be able to expose our flaws in the same way Brentford were able to. Absolutely. Absolutely not. And they won't try to. And it'll be a completely different game and that's why I'm not so so worried about you know, so worried about the, the Brentford result, as I've mentioned a few times, happy enough to get out of there with a draw because they they pose a different threat to just about every other team in the league. Um there's something a little bit burnley about Brentford, but they've got far more energy, far more quality, and for me, a, a manager that, that that seems to just be uh, just a bit more tactically coming, versatile, let's say. Tactically versatile, tactically astute, younger, uh, and for me, just just I don't know, maybe maybe it's more glamorous or whatever. I don't know, but this, this a seems, bit less Brexit is how yeah. I would say. They seem to be a just, 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 a, just a handful. You remember we played that? I mean, they're the same as that Michelin team that injured Jota for for two months, and we we went there it was meant to be a dead rubber, and they gave us a a bollocks of a game. And Brentford are like that. Yeah, they're like they're a huge, they're huge physical side. I think as much as people say they're they're energetic and effervescent or whatever, but. What hasn't been mentioned enough is they're absolutely fucking gigantic. Totally, absolutely massive, and they play on that. And they, they were, like, I would love to see the statistics for like av- t- the average height of teams in the league. They've got to be right up there in like the top four or five was, at least. It was a bit rugby league the way they played, and you know, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it because they're fun to watch. They cause havoc. They they're a bit of a "Quote unquote breath of fresh air," because they've got quality as well. Your your the other striker in Boom or whatever, he was class. Um, your man Canos is really good, ex Liverpool. Um, and, no, do you remember him? Yeah, and well, never getting a look in was he? And um, and now he's he's doing great there. And Tony, as Andy mentioned earlier, is 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 actually a very very good player. And he'll do well this season. And there used to be more strikers like him around, you know, that would, would bag you 15 to 20 goals in a side that's probably going to finish, you know, maybe upper bottom half. But He um, reminds me a bit like, he reminds me a bit, he's sort of a bit Louis Saha Fulham era. Yeah, I mean, and there were a few, there were a few strikers that would would have knocked around. Marion Pahars was another one at, at Southampton that would have knocked around and got, you know your fifteen goals that were just very good goal scorers and 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 good centre forwards and Tony seems like one. You know often you get these big strikers who come up and they're a handful in the air, but they're they're not that quick or their their touch isn't that good or they're not good finishers. But Tony seems to have pretty much everything for a striker. You know he's powerful, he's huge, but he's he's got a good touch. He's neat and tidy with his footwork. You know he's good on. He's got a good shot. He's great in the air. So he's gonna cause. He's gonna cause trouble. Um. So I don't think that Gabby Jesus is gonna cause the same trouble. In fact, you know that he's not. Um. That City are gonna pose their own problems, and we're very aware of what those problems will be. Probably there's no side that we study more in the Premier League. Uh, in in any competition, than the, or we know better than than Guardiola's Man City. So it's going to be another a renewal of the of 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 or another chapter in the in the story in, in that rivalry. It's been about us and them for the last four seasons. 
and it's probably after the weekend's result there against Chelsea, it looks like it's probably going to be the same this year because ultimately it looks like Chelsea have come up short and will come up short when it counts. Um, so it's massive. I, I'm not. I don't necessarily subscribe to the the idea that there's more pressure on this game now because of the result against Brad, uh, Brentford. I think this game brings its own pressure and its own its own uh, aura and 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 significance anyway, uh, regardless of, of of the games around it. Would it have been nice to think you could escape with a draw and it w- would suit you better than, than them? Yes, of course. But ultimately, I think we play better when, when we're going for the result and when it's very, very clear and they're coming to Anfield and it's the first time back at Anfield with fans and we owe them. So I'm really looking forward to it and I think we're going to we're gonna really have a go at them. We're going to hear the roar and we're going to see... Um, a really fast start and we're going to see a game back at the pace that we so we got used to seeing uh, 17 18 18 19 and and 19 20 um yeah so very much looking forward to it very much looking forward to it and um the the Brentford result the 3-3 whatever it, it, for me it doesn't really have too much of a of a bearing and not not Forgetting the fact that you've got a, I think they've got to go away to PSG in the week yeah. as well. So yeah. I mean, they could get beaten there. Um, certainly have a tough game. So just looking forward to it, really. Yeah, I personally think City will absolutely annihilate PSG, but that's that's another story. And they just to finish this off. Chief makes, you know, Chief finishes, and for me, what's a really pertinent point there is that. You talked about the sterile atmosphere favouring a Manchester City side, and we saw, you know, a rare result at Anfield, first time in the 20 years or something, a Raheem Sterling goal and performance and, and things like this. It's never been seen before. And they might be, you know, using that as, as some sort of, you know, incentive or inspiration to say that we can go there and we can win but you know you've been to a few games recently being where you are now and they're going to walk out to like an atmosphere that you know let's be honest without starting without trying to sound like I'm being an absolute wanker here an atmosphere they're just not used to at home particularly so you know, this could be our ticket to success this season, and this might be the real the real first evidence of it, given the fact that the Chelsea game was kind of curtailed by the, the red card, and it made it just a really strange second half. Totally, and the, the atmosphere has been absolutely amazing this season at every game. Um, I don't know whether it's because the safe standing has been put in at the top of the cup, and it hasn't even been, like, fully... Not sure if it hasn't been fully finished yet, or they haven't actually had the go ahead to use it because you can still choose to sit down if you're in the safe standing area. But it's kind of meant that the whole cop's just been stewed, and that only really normally happens for you know your big games against your Man City's, your Chelsea's, and is an Anfield at half four on Sunday is going to be um, absolutely bouncing no matter what the crack is with the atmosphere this year, but. There has been yeah, it's a great kickoff it. time. It's a great kickoff time for a game like yeah. this. We said and this before think, Chelsea as well. Yeah, yeah, and but there's been a thing this year as well, and you know you don't want to again. You say you sound like a wanker, but also because it's been like more difficult to get tickets, then it's sort of filtered out um, the idea that people can go and come for the day and aren't really that bothered and won't get involved with the atmosphere. I don't want to do the whole local versus non-local because as people will know by my accent, and I'm not Scouse, you know, and, and neither of us, but it's, it, it's more than that. It's, it's the fact that you'd go and you'd, you'd contribute to the atmosphere and you'd sing and you'd, you'd do this and this, and we've all been away to. Yeah. I get what you're all, saying. It's, it's actual, it's actual fans that have to yeah. go the extra mile to get a ticket rather than people going because they want to go home and say, I went to Anfield, I've been to Liverpool game, not necessarily for going to support the team per se. 
And we're all hypocrites in this because we've all been to the new camp and done a game. We've all, you know, we've all been to these, we've all been to these cities on holiday and taken in a game just to say we've been to these these games. I mean, I went to, I got a ticket for Marseille PSG when I was living over in France, and I shouldn't have been there. That's what I, you know, that's one of the most hostile, biggest fixtures in French football, and there were probably Marseille supporters who followed the club for for years of their life who didn't get a ticket, and I was there, but ultimately I, I didn't care because it was. I was going to sample it, and uh, there's no difference in that. So you can you can sound like a bit of a tit sometimes, but it definitely is the there is an element of the the fact that it is as you said it's harder to get if somebody for somebody who doesn't really know that many people around it or hasn't been going hasn't been to that many games it's very very hard for you to get a get a ticket this year, and it is more of a scouse feel about the cop. It's it's definitely more of a a local atmosphere. I know that some of the club have have been quite vocal about wanting to do they've done the free tickets for um kids in l1 postcodes and all of this so it's it's been something that they've uh they've really focused on but it it sounded amazing they, i was at the ac milan game and it was honestly one of the best atmospheres i've been in it was one of the first european games i'd done i'd done maribor a few years ago but it wasn't the same feel as you know that ac milan uh, and somebody's just going to be rocking again and you know we talk about you know, they'll be happy to come for a nil-nil. It doesn't doesn't always work like that. You know, these nil-nil games, you you may see. You were talking about the XG earlier. You may see like a 0.7 versus 0.5, but you know, one of those can. There's very rarely you get a, a game where there's not at least two or three big chances somewhere along the line. They can get spurned and it can spiral into a crap game. It can spiral into a game which is purely tactics, and both teams end up shaking hands at a point, but. It rarely you rarely go through ninety minutes where there's literally no chances whatsoever. And if one of those goes in, you know, by hook or by crook, then you've got a completely different game there. And Man City may be terrified no matter how they come, no matter how they approach it, no matter how many points they're happy with coming away with on Sunday, they may be terrified because that ground's gonna be absolutely rocking, as you say. Yeah. I would expect so. So look. Until then, well, maybe after Porto, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Who knows? Um, the Reds, three eight. So we'll not worry too much about it. We're still top of the league after Wilfred Zaha got a penalty and I don't know need more pace score to go. And Brighton, our nearest talent, ne- nearest title challengers are now. I don't know, sevens or something? Up the throwback rates? <laughs> <laughs>